What's up, everyone? Hi, SNU. How many of you have met me before in person? Okay, about 30% of the room. And I'm looking forward to meeting the rest of you guys at the end of the meeting. Don't just walk out and say hi to me. It's really a big honor and joy to really come to SNU. I've been praying for this campus. I've been really... I mean, I, I go to church right kind of nearby, so we've been really claiming this campus, and I'm sure a lot of other speakers that came through told you guys that we've been praying for you, and even before you guys came to SNU, you guys were in our prayers, so this is a miracle moment for me, this is a meaningful time for me, and I really honor every single one of you that you guys came, though the midterm is right around the corner, who has an exam tomorrow? Wow, come on now. That's awesome. God's going to bless you for that exam. I remember in college, I will, I will still do kind of stuff like that. Like a Monday is exam time and I will be in church and fellowshipping all throughout the day. And then Monday morning, I will cram everything, right? Lord, show me your grace. You know, I will study and cram and then I'll go into the exam and I will champion it. Like, literally, every single item that I just memorized will be all on it, you know? Sometimes I would just study, like, two chapters out of ten I was supposed to, and then all the exam questions were, guess what, from, like, the first two chapters. Things like that happens, right? So I'm not saying bank on that. (laughs) I'm not saying don't study, but trust that when you really put God as your priority, I'm believing that Pastor Aaron spoke about that kind of as well. God really honors that. God really pays you back. So you could bank on him, not on cramming or or whatever, you know, I kind of shared. But definitely God's going to really honor this time. I'm really glad to be here. I don't take this honor lightly. And I do believe that God has a word that wants to speak to you guys. And um, yeah, let's really get into this. Oh, man. Can I get my Bible? Kelvin, there's my Bible in my bag. <laughs> I forgot my Bible. <laughs> Today, yes. Today I'm going to start with a story from the Bible. Uh, if you have your Bibles with you, let's turn to book of Acts chapter 10. And um, the way I preach, I don't want to be the only one talking. I want the entire room to be talking with me. So I like hearing, yeah, I like hearing Amen. I like hearing that's good. Everyone practice that. That's good. I like hearing those things. I like pointing finger. You can do this to me. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Sarah, thanks. Thanks. <laughs> so feel free to be interactive. Feel free to talk to your neighbor even. When something good comes out, turn to your neighbor and tell them, you know, that's good. Take notes. Dude, underline it. <laughs> you know, so I don't want to be the only one talking. You guys got me? All right, so Acts chapter 10, verses 9 to 16, we'll be reading this together. But before we do that, let me explain what's taking place. So up to this point, Jewish people were the chosen people. They were the ones that had the salvation. And there was not a single salvation of a Gentile person yet. Gentile means every other race or people other than Jews. That's equals Gentiles, right? And then here we are about to witness the first Gentile salvation 
by which his name was Cornelius. And then this is the account. This is the kind of like a vision or dream that happened to Apostle Paul right before that happens. Okay. So that's the background. Verse 9. I'm reading from ESV. All right, let me read it for you guys can just follow with your eyes. The next day as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the housetop about the sixth hour to pray. And he became hungry and wanted something to eat. But while they were preparing it, he fell into a trance. I call it, he was hungry and he fell asleep. How many of you went to pray and you were hungry and you fell asleep? I've done them numerous times, okay? Verse 11, And saw the heavens opened and something like a great sheet of, sheet descending, <laughs> sheet descending, being let down by its four corners upon the earth. In it were all kinds of animals and reptiles and birds of the air. And there came a voice to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, By no means, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. And the voice came to him again a second time, What God has made clean, do not call common. Other translations usually say, Do not call unclean. This happened three times, and the thing was taken up at once to heaven. Amen. So here, Peter fell into a trance or fell asleep or saw a vision, whatever you want to believe. In the dream, like a blanket came down full of animals, reptiles, birds. And then you can understand that those animals were forbidden for the Jews to eat. It was ceremonially unclean. You cannot eat pig. Samgyeopsal was a prohibited food. That's not the Lord. <laughs> you know, like all these animals came down and Peter was like, and then the Lord says, Peter, kill this and eat. And Peter was hungry himself, you know. He fell asleep because he was hungry. And he's like, no, Lord, never. I will never eat something that you called unclean. I'm going to stay holy. I cannot do that. And then he goes second time. Jesus goes second time. Kill it and eat it. And then he goes, when God has made clean, do not call unclean. So this happened three times. When something happens three times or what God spoke, God speaks something three times in a row, that means he's certain about it. He's not going to change his mind. Three times meaning completion. You know, I said it three times. That means it's done deal. I'm not changing my mind. And you guys see this? Like, it's weird. Like, it's, it's the same food. Let's say it's like a sangyeopsal that came down in front of you, right? And it was an unclean food that you were not allowed to eat it forever. And then all of a sudden, God's like, no, it's clean now. Eat it. And you're all confused. And then the following verse says that Paul was so... Was it Paul, right? Peter. I'm sorry. I kept saying Paul, right? No, Peter. Peter. It's Peter, okay? Peter was so confused. Like, what are you talking about? This is unclean. And God said, no, I call it now clean. So eat it. But if you think about it, nothing changed about this sangyeopsal. It's not any less greasy. It's not any less fatty, okay? It's the same old sangyeopsal that you are encountering. And God is saying, no, it's different now. I call it clean. It's as if like, this is not going to give you any ounce of weight. Eat as much as you want. It's not going to make you any fat. No, you know if you eat this at midnight, you're going to gain weight, right? No, God, this is unclean. What are you talking about? 
You know, it's not like any appearance of it changed or even the substance of it changed. It's the same old thing. And God is saying, no, I changed it because I decreed that it's clean. All that matters is what God calls it, how God sees it, how God declares it. See, reality and truth are two different things. God's decree doesn't depend on the reality of things, the facts, what you see, what you can, what you feel, or, or the facts. Whatever He speaks becomes truth. So the reality might look certain way. There might be certain facts lined up, but that does not affect what God can declare as true. So those two things are completely different. So you see certain things, and it's the same thing, but when God says no, and he declares something else, then the truth of it has been changed. You know, regardless of the reality of the things, when God declares his word, what he thinks is right, that should also become our reality. Our reality shouldn't change the words that Jesus speaks, but the words that Jesus speaks should change our reality. Are you guys following me? So many times while we hear the truth, we, we hear, the, hear the truth, but then we walk out of the church and then the, like the reality, what you perceive, the, the facts are contradicted. And then what you end up changing You know, are you going to change the truth that's been spoken over you? Or are you going to change the facts that you see? Or, or, you know, are you going to depend on your physical eyes? Or are you going to hold on to what you heard God spoke over you? There are two different things. It's very hot here, so I'm going to take off my cardigan. Oh, my gosh. Like that. Oh, fail. sweaty excuse me don't take pictures okay <laughs> oh man yeah, just do it before i sweat even more so from this story what we learn is that what god says is final that's the final word like what you feel like what you think don't really matter even what you see This is the fact, Sangyeopsal is greasy, what you believed for years to be true doesn't even matter. What God says is the final word. And you know, there's, um, and let's stop talking about Sangyeopsal now, and let's really come over to the human side, okay? Let's come back to our story with God. And I'm going to really break it down and make it easy for you guys to digest what happened to us, how God's decree has changed us. There is an unseen spiritual economy that we are bound to. So we are living this life, but then we, we, we live in the economy, right? We use Korean one here. The economy of the world, I'm, I'm, I'm talking about like economy that is spiritual. And none of you are free from it. We are all bound to it. What I'm talking about is that the economy, no, it's economy. Is it economics or economy? Economy, thanks. Smart brother. Economy of heaven and hell, we are bound to it. Do you guys know that sin has a price? 
That's what the Bible says. It's something that's very, um, like common to us, you know. When you buy something, there's a price to it, right? And sin, the Bible says, sin has a price. So, think with me. The Bible also says sin has a price and then it explains what the price is. The price is death. It's very simple. It's not penalty. It's not fine. It's not imprisonment. It's not like even bail, like money. What, how you can get out of that guilt, the only way the Bible describes it is death. If you sinned, you have to die. It's very simple. And if you really think about it, all has fallen short of glory of God. The Bible tells us clearly, no one is good, not even one. Every single human being is bound to sinful life. Therefore, all have sinned. And then all of you have the price to pay, which is death. And I encountered some interesting college students and they will come up to me and say stuff like actually i have no fear of death i don't i don't i'm not afraid of dying i will actually prefer dying early you know i don't want to be a grandma and have a disease and die ugly i want to have a short and powerful life and then die quite early you know i'm not i'm not afraid of death this is exactly how she talked, okay? I'm not afraid of death, right? And I'm like, girl, you don't know what you're talking about. This death the Bible talks about is not physical death. The reason why young people don't even fear death is because they think when death happens to you, when you die, everything ends. All the sorrow, all the pain, everything bad ends. My depression, my loneliness, everything ends. All the difficult things that I have to think about in this life, it all finishes and it's going to be a paradise. No. If you die without Jesus, that physical death is nothing. That doesn't even compare to the eternal agony that you got to suffer through for eternity. Do you know how long eternity is? I, I was not able to figure that out yet. Eternity is infinite, right? I haven't figured out infinity yet, right? Eternal pain, sorrow. I mean, no one has figured out what that really means, but I can guarantee it's way more than what we are carrying here under God's grace, whether you are a believer or not. So if you are just thinking, I'd rather die and die cool, no, you're wrong. You are thinking of something else that's very shallow, but I'm talking about eternal death. And that is the amount of your debt that you got to pay. And are you able to pay that? I mean, you are able to. You can go and burn in hell forever. That's how you pay it. But do you want to? All right. Thanks for that subtle (laughs) shaking of head. (laughs) No one wants to. If we can comprehend what that entails, no one wants to go to hell, guys. Nobody wants to die. Nobody wants to be separated from God for eternity. That's terrible. And that's the debt that you owe. Okay, now, let's think about like a courtroom. Because the Bible says God is, a, God is a judge, right? And all the living and dead, they have to come before God and they have to face him for that judgment day. So let's think of him as the just and righteous judge according to the word of God. And that we come before him as, as we are. We come before him. 
What's going to happen is we stand before him and we know that the price that we got to pay is eternal death, right? And we are standing there and then there's accuser. His name is Satan. Satan literally means, his name means accuser. The one that came to accuse us, that's his name. So what he does is the accusing, right? So he comes to accuse us. And all these things that we want to forget about, that we want to hide, he brings it all up to God and says, she did this, she did that, he said this, he said that. Terrible person. I'm in agreement that she has to go to hell for eternity. That's the deal, right? And at that point, can God, being so loving and gracious and merciful, can he just, can he just say, okay, you know what? I'm in a good mood today. I'll just let you go, Rona. It's my treat. Can he do that? Why can't he do that? He's God. He does, he, he does whatever he wants to do. Rhetorical question. <laughs> Thanks for that thought. <laughs> you know, like, you know what? I like you. I'll let you go. God cannot do that because he cannot bend his own character. God is who he says who he is. He is holy. He is righteous. He is just. So he cannot change his nature depending on his emotions, okay? He is who he says he is. He is just. So for him to say, I'll just let you go, that is not just. Think about a judge and in front of him, there stands a murderer, right? A terrible one. And then he, he killed, let's say, so many people in the neighborhood. And then he, the, the victim's family is present. And then the judge actually says, you know what? I know you gave me some money earlier, so I'll let you go. Is that judge righteous? Right? No, right? And God, do you guys know that God cannot lie? He can't lie. He is a God of truth. He can only speak truth. So Rona's standing here and he sees her as a sinner. He can't lie that she's righteous. He has to just speak the truth. She is sinner. God has to be truthful. Has to be just. He is righteous. So God can't just let you go. That answer, that question is clear that, right? But what about then... We are stuck, guys. Let's, we got to think about a way out. What can we do? Can my friend die for me? Can my husband die for me? My best friend, I think she's going to be willing to die for me. Let's say, Michelle, my, my best friend, let's say, Michelle agrees to die for me. Oh, such a good friend. Thanks for that. But Michelle volunteers. I love Miawa so much. I will die for her. I will take the eternal death. <laughs> so let's say she comes up. Is God going to take that? What do you guys think? Why not? Why not? <laughs> this is not rhetorical. This stuff. Yes, Rona. Good job. Answer is simple. It's because Michelle's not good enough. Simple. As simple as that. I mean, not just Michelle. <laughs> Oh, don't get her. <laughs> I love you. I'm not just talking about Michelle, but no human being is good enough. They have their own mess-ups to take care of. They got their own sins to take care of, right? So they're already bound for hell, and that person that's already bound for hell cannot pay for my sin in any way. So, man, I'm really stuck now. So he can't just let me go, 
my friend can't die for me, and I'm all alone standing here, dude, I'm going to hell. At this moment, the just and righteous judge makes a way out. What it needs is a perfect sacrifice. Someone that has never sinned before has to come in the picture, takes your sin and dies in your place. And for that, you can be set free. You understanding the logic? What God did wasn't just any emotional move. He calculated it. It's a logical thing that God did. And only person that could pay for your sin Jesus Christ, the Holy One that knew no sin, God's righteousness that was sent on this earth. He, he didn't come as a 33-year-old man, guys. He came as a baby, grew as an infant, and then became a toddler, a child, a teenager, went through puberty, became 19, 20, reached 30, 33, all life. He didn't just come to die for you. He came also to live for you as well. 33 years of keeping purity, being completely separated from the world. However, he never ever fell into the sin. So that he will be reserved perfectly that he can take my place. I will die for her. I will die for him. And he took the place. He became the lamb that was sacrificed and through him we were legally declared innocent. So when God says you are innocent, when God says you are holy, when God says you are righteous before me, it is not a cheap statement. Don't ever think that what God did is so light and then when he speaks it over you, don't take it for granted. That's what I'm trying to say. The free gift that you received was free for us, but it was not free for God. He paid everything. He paid, he cost them everything for him. We think that, oh, it's free gift. It's a free giveaway. Is it a candy or something? No, gospel is something so heavy, so valuable that we can never take it that lightly. It was expensive and costly for our God, but he did it. And some people ask, how does that affect me? Jesus is one man. There are so many billions of people on this earth that needs to be saved. One person um, trading with millions of lives. How does that work? My math kind of doesn't work that way, you know? Some, some students have smart questions like that, and let me answer you that. Jesus came as a man, but his true identity is a creator. The Bible says he was at creation, and he is the part of the Trinity. He's the creator. Everything in this entire world came from that one man. So because that one man who was the creator died, the entire creation that came out of him can be redeemed through his blood. Everything that came through him, not just humans, but also like other nature. There are Bible verses that are talking about the entire creation is longing for the restoration and redemption, right? So it's because the one man, because he was a creator through his death, every single one of you can be redeemed by him. As a new smart student, you're following me, right? <laughs> That's good to know. 
So at this one last trial that you're standing, and then something just happened. Wow, I found hope. I actually can walk out of this courtroom declared innocent. I can walk out of this room declared free, but not just because God was in a good mood, but because it was completely blotted out. All my sins were forgiven, forgotten about, blotted out, or all records clean, this person is free, let her go. That's what happened to me. I am legally free. I am legally innocent. All of you, if you put your faith in Jesus, I hope all of you do, then you are legally, officially free. It's not just that, oh, I feel free because I know Jesus. No, you are actually in the heavenly places. Your label is, this person is not guilty. There's no shame involved in this person. She is declared free by the Most High God. Okay, no opposition. No objection to that. God says so. You're declared free. You're declared innocent. Where's room for guilt and shame? That's what the Most High God, the just, righteous judge says over you when you go to heaven go look up your paper it's going to be pretty thick right all the things that you've done wrong Rona's will be extra thick <laughs> Eugene yours will be like <laughs> mine's going to be really thick too I know there's going to be like 12 volumes of like dictionary size but at the end I know it's going to be all crossed out Every single item on my book will be crossed out. At the end, it's going to say, the judge has declared her free. Turn to your neighbor, tell her, you are free. Hi, Kyung Chan. You are free. <laughs> and... The fact that you are free, the fact that you're innocent, the fact that you're righteous before God. Righteous, it's actually a simple word. It means that you are right with him. That you have no problem standing in front of him, that you are right. Your relationship with him is just right. You know, when, when we, like, friends, like, when we have fight, like Sarah and I, let's say we had some beef, whatever. And then, you know, when we want to make sure that everything's good between us, hey, hey, we good? Are we good? And if Sarah says, yeah, yeah, yeah we're, we're good, we're good, then we're good, right? It's kind of like that, then we are righteous, right? We are right in each other's relationship, right? So that's kind of like that. With, with you and God, when God says you are righteous, it means you are right before me. There's nothing wrong with you when you stand before me. It's mind-boggling, guys. And that declaration and decree that's made about you cannot be reversed, it cannot be turned over. It's, uh, it's the final decision. The final. It's the final decision. No one has a louder voice or more powerful voice than God that can come and says otherwise. It's just done deal. You know, and the fact that you guys are righteous before God, that, and that you guys are declared holy, that is the base for the foundation for all other promises that God gives you. You gotta be right with Him at the like you know, like from the you know uh, uh, to begin with to receive all these other words, all 
these other promises from Him. You can do all things through Christ Jesus. Like for that word to be true in your life and personal in your life, this foundation has to be laid out. You know, you have to be right with God for you to receive all these promises that involves Jesus, you know. And that becomes foundation for words like God's going to turn everything for your good. Everything for those who love him. Like for you to really take it personally, the foundation is you got to be righteous. Declared free and righteous before him. And this lays such strong foundation for all these other words to be yours personally. Not just it's in the Bible, you know. People ask me, you know, like, oh, I'm this and that, you know, I'm more than conqueror. And like, non-believing friends will be like, how do you know that? You know, what tells you that? Like, what's the evidence? And only answer we have is, like, it's in the Bible. <laughs> Where in the Bible? Well, I'm not sure. <laughs> Go to Bible Gateway, you know, whatever, you know. But it's, it's, it's in the Bible. Like, you don't, please make it personal. Like, it's because Jesus' blood It's because he died for me, and it's because my foundation with him is this, that I'm righteous and holy before him, because I belong to him, he belongs to me. That's why that is mine. Because That's why that's personal to me, you know? Don't you say it's it's somewhere in the Bible? That's why, you know? It becomes personal. You can possess every single promise in the Bible as yours. And some of you, I know personally speaking, all my life, myself included in this, other voices sometimes are louder than God's decree. Sometimes we forget about his declaration over us. Sometimes we forget about how at the end of the book, it says, Myung has been declared free. We kind of forget about that. And as we live our daily lives, these other, other voices are louder. And the accuser, so tenacious, he doesn't just let you go. He keeps coming at you, bring back old lies, brings back old shame, brings back old memories and traumas and what you grew up hearing from different people. You're a failure, you're a loser, nobody likes you, you gotta try harder, you gotta study more, you gotta make more money to be a good son and good daughter, you gotta go to a better school, you shouldn't have said that, you know, that's why your friends don't like you, blah, 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 blah. All those words come at you because Satan hasn't given up. This war is ongoing, okay? But then we know the end of it, but how we live our daily lives, we hear these voices, we give it so much authority. We give these lies so much authority, we sometimes allow these words to consume us, and then without even knowing, you are constantly thinking about it, constantly entertaining those thoughts. And this accuser becomes like a master of your mind. Satan. You know, can I tell you guys something? The Satan doesn't Always come speak to you directly. That, hey, this is Satan. I'm speaking to you right now. (laughs) You know, this is my third time calling you this week. And I just want to remind you that you are a failure. Bye. Satan never does that. The way he comes and speaks to you is subtle. Sometimes it's through the voice of important people. People that you love. People that matter to you. You know? God's voice is the same way. God doesn't just, he doesn't call you 
Does God ever call you? He doesn't, right? He sometimes speaks very directly to you, but then sometimes he speaks through the people that you love. He speaks through sermons. He, th- he speaks through TV shows sometimes, you know? So there, there are different ch- um, channels of how God's spirit could speak to you, how Satan's spirit could speak to you, but you guys are sometimes, you guys are not discerning which one is which. And you are just letting all these words come in and just, you know, flutter your mind and you're like, oh, you're right. I'm so fat. You're right. I'm so ugly. You're right. I'm such a failure. I'm just going to go home and binge and watch TV and cry. Right? Right, Bora? <laughs> That's good. <laughs> He, he woke up just now. <laughs> and, you know, sometimes, guys, all these voices, you hear it, and then it becomes yours. And sometimes it's not even Satan. You can't just blame him all the time. It's just you replaying those words actively. Man, so consumed in it, you know? And when these voices are louder than the decree that's been made, you guys are not choosing the right voice to listen to. And are you helpless in this? No, you guys are not. The reason why is you haven't just been declared holy and free and all that. But when God did that, when Jesus purchased your salvation like that, he gave you his spirit. His spirit, the Holy Spirit came upon you. He's not visiting you. He's not a guest in you. He came to dwell in you. He came to spend eternity with you. He came to teach you all things that you need to know. He came to give you the discernment that you need for a lifetime. He came as the wisdom of God. He came to dwell inside of you. Him and you are one. So he didn't just save you and, okay, the rest is up to you. No, he didn't do that. He's inside of you. If you choose to activate the wisdom, if you choose to discern, if you choose to fight off all the lies, if you choose to hold on to the decree that Jesus has made over you, that you are able. That you are not a slave to your thoughts. You are not a slave to the lies of the enemy. You are able to defeat all those words with the one decree. No, I am holy. I am set apart. I am loved. I am accepted. These truths are the very weapons that you got to fight those lies with. You know, the, the Word of God says, this is a sword of God. The Word of God is like the sword. What do you do with sword? Thanks. <laughs> Cook? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> what do you do with your sword? You know, do you ever, like, sleep on your sword? No, right? The, the Bible doesn't say the word of God is your pillow, okay? Stop falling asleep on it, <laughs> you know? <laughs> it's not your pillow. The word of God says it's your sword, right? Sword is not for cooking. It's for wartime, okay? It's for the war. So whatever this book declares over you, it becomes your weapon to destroy the lies of the enemy, You know, what's the point of having a sword at home and never using it? It's like one of the decorations that's sitting there, right? Japanese people do that, right? At their house, you know? (laughs) Sorry if there's any Japanese person. (laughs) But it's usually, you know, that long, crazy Japanese sword, you know? 
It's, it's just decoration that's sitting there, but don't make your Bible become that way. Okay? Let it be the sword that you use daily. Let it stay sharp. Use it. Kill some enemies, like Sarah said, right? Kill something with it. Kill some lies. Kill some devils, you know? Threaten them at least, you know? Say what this declares over you to the enemy. When he says, you know what? Personally, I went through, man. So much, so many seasons of lies. Just to really make it brief, I got saved when I was 19, my um, college freshman year. And before that point, I had never been to church before. I grew up in a city called Busan in the south. And uh, yeah, Busan, come on. Rona was born in Busan as well. Uh huh. <laughs> but then I was born in Busan. I, I, I was raised there. I had never heard of the gospel before. I never heard of Jesus before. And I knew he was some kind of religious figure, but that's all I knew. I thought Jesus was someone that was alive, actually. But then I came... <laughs> You know, and like a Pope or something, you know? And then I came to Seoul to go to college. I went to Iwa. I know here nobody's Iwa. Woo! Iwa! And then, uh, I went to Iwa and then at my school, my professor actually brought me to my current church near Philly. God had a plan, right? So my professor took me there and I went there only, only to check out a celebrity guy that I liked. I'll be honest, okay? Was a pastor, David, pastor's younger brother was Tim Huang. He's a, he's a K-pop singer. Anyways, and I really liked him in, in high school, so I just went to check him out, right? So I went and I heard something called the gospel. But never heard it before. And I was shocked because the pastor was so passionate about it. And, and I learned that Jesus actually died, right? And, uh, <laughs> oh, he, he wasn't someone alive. <laughs> he died and it was raised and he was, you know, resurrected, ascended back to heaven. And I heard it for the first time and I was like, Oh, that's a lot to digest, you know? That's a lot. Like, oh, I'm not a religious person. Uncomfortable. I saw Tim, so that's enough. And I went home. <laughs> and a couple weeks later, God was haunting me. Like, God was chasing after me, guys. It's not that I loved him first. He loved me first. He came after me. He came after me, and I couldn't shake him off. Like, oh, and I, this is what I thought. This is what I said to my room. Uh, Christian, I, my English was poor, so in Korean, Christian들이 무슨, 이렇게 마법을 걸어놓은 것 같다고. I said, like, some Christians put a spell on me. Like, that I, this, <laughs> some kind of Christian magic or spell was on me that all these weird things keeps happening to me. Weird things by, by which I mean, like, God was revealing himself to me. That I kept running into all these evangelists on the campus every two minutes. Oh, I'm a Buddhist. No. Oh, I go to church and I would lie, but then they would not leave me alone, right? And on the campus, I was harassed and back and forth, left and right. And after like two, three weeks of that, I gave in. I was like, God, you must be alive. And I remember I was tired of running away. Like, this is bizarre it must be something divine i had to kind of just give in and god really revealed himself clear to me that i love you that i've been in love with you that i'm finally revealing myself to you and finally my life started to make perfect sense every wrong decision i thought i made even going to ihua i thought that was a, like a kind of like a something that i never wanted it to happen, but 
It's a long story, long story. But anyways, even that was set up by God, you know. God sent me there to save me first and then to be the salt and light there on their campus and all, all other stuff, you know. And then my life finally started to make sense. And I heard that God sees me as someone holy. I was like, what? God must not know what I have done. He probably doesn't know what I did last night. But he knows, right? And it boggled my mind because my life was purely based on performance. If I do good, I'm good. If I do bad, I'm bad. Simple, right? But then in this Christian world, it doesn't work like that. I, I mess up. But God still calls me good? Oh man, I did, I did something really, really great and I must feel proud, but then I, I should stay humble? You know, like, Christian system just didn't work with my, like, paradigm. But then, one thing that didn't change was that He loved me. One thing that didn't, remain very steady was my identity in Christ. Even when I failed, my church friends and my brothers and sisters will tell me, you are not a failure. Even when I feel rejected, even when I feel like people are rejecting me, they will pray over me, no, you are accepted forever, eternally. You are in the arms of your father. Even when I feel like, I felt like I was a failure. I wasn't going anywhere. I wasn't making any progress. I'm not going anywhere. I'm stuck. But then they will say, God has amazing plans for your life and he's taking you there. You know, all these things, one thing that remained so steady was my identity in him. And as I heard all these words, I realized that over the years of my upbringing, I heard voices that are contradicting what I was hearing from God, that it was like warfare constantly. One big area was that I totally, completely, sincerely, wholeheartedly believed that I was ugly and fat. In fact, I was bulimic uh, for six years of my life, high school, all three years, and then first three years of college, even after my salvation. Bulimia is when you eat like a monster, like a binge eat, and then you force um, throw up, right? Or you take like laxatives or something like that, or you do excessive workouts, and it's one of the eating disorder. And the doctors would define it as a mental disorder or disease, but it's Purely demonic, guys. Let me just tell you that. And these demons were harassing me constantly. You got to get prettier to be popular. You will never be able to uh, get, never find a guy. No one's ever going to like you. You got to, all kinds of lies. And I felt so unworthy of love. So unworthy of acceptance. So small. I constantly compare myself to other girls. And I was... My life was miserable. I had to keep lying because of my habits. Whenever I eat with someone, guess what? I have to leave for like 10, 15 minutes and I got to throw it all up and then come back and pretend that I'm so full. You know what I'm saying? And in the dorm, I had a roommate that shared a room with me. I had to constantly lie to her, like a daily thing. You know, I had a huge scar on my head. My body was, my, my throat was getting jacked up. My voice was changing. It was a terrible, miserable six years of my life. But I couldn't stop. I thought I was controlling my weight by choosing to throw up or choosing to eat. But then later on, what it became was it had control over me. I thought I was just letting it come in a little bit. But then those demons took over me and it started controlling my life. And there was an open door because I truly believed I was unworthy of love. I truly believed I 
pretty much God made some mistake when he created me, you know. He could have made me better than this kind of understanding. So, I mean, back in the days when I first had it, I didn't even know God. So I was my own own creator. I wanted just to be better and to be prettier, to be thinner, slimmer, to be more popular. I was living for man's approval, pretty much, and popularity. And because I heard growing up so many times that I'm too fat, and I still remember, man, I was 13, and I went to middle school, and I gained all these weight. I gained, guys, 20 pounds within three weeks. Okay? I'm not lying, okay? I gained 20, cook 9 kilograms within three and a half weeks that everyone was so shocked. They thought I had some serious disease or something. But I really ate, like, nonstop, nonstop. Now, I was awake, then I was eating, you know? Because of stress and some stuff that I was going through. And because of that... Like, you could imagine, like, all of a sudden you're like stick skinny and then you're like, you look like a balloon. And you know, I'm walking around and people see me and I'm like, oh, mama, mama, what happened to you? <laughs> you know, like, in Busan, it's pretty extreme. They don't like hide. They're not tactful, okay? So they'll be like, oh my honey, why didn't know? Like, what happened to you? Like, my mom's friends, they would be like, oh my god, oh my god, they would like beat me. <laughs> you know? Oh, you gotta, you gotta lose all that, you know? Oh my god. Look at her face. It looks like a moon and it looks like a bomb or it looks like this and that. Traumatizing, traumatizing for like years of that, you know? And because I heard those words so much that when God started to speak his words over me, that you are beautiful, that you're worthy of love, I just couldn't figure out how to even accept that. That's just not in my greed, God. What are you talking about that I'm beautiful? Wonder Girls on TV are beautiful. I'm not. You gotta watch some TV, Lord. Like, <laughs> I was like, I gotta lose like 11 kilograms to look beautiful, okay? And I will like get offended whenever even people like tell me that or even pray over, pray, over, pray that over me. I'll get like really offended. Like, are you being sarcastic with me right now? You know, but like, you know, when you feel like a failure and somebody says that like, you are more than a conqueror, sometimes it encourages you, but then sometimes you kind of get offended. Like, you, you know that I just got an F on, you know, this subject and you praying that over me is offensive, but it's offensive because it's truth. That's, that's truth, you know? So it was a constant battle, but then it's, it was a choice. And my deliverance moment uh, from this demonic stronghold of like eating disorder, like mild depression and hate, self-hatred and all these things kind of came at once. But that's when I really put my entire trust and faith in God's word and not how I felt or not how I saw myself. When I completely let go of that and when I embrace God, whatever you say, I will receive it as the final word. Like, that's what really set me free. Truth has no power if you don't let it be, be the truth in your life. Jesus is the truth, right? But if you don't let him be the Lord and be the truth in your life, it's not going to have any power. 
You know, you gotta allow the truth to be the truth in your life, and that is truly your choice. It's what you choose. You have a choice what to believe. And as you believe, and this is kind of, I think, what happened. Word of God started to cleanse me. And I think that's the best expression I can find. It's like, you know, no one ever thinks that, oh, I went to JJB, Jinjibang, I went to JJB last week, so I don't have to wash for the entire year. <laughs> you, think I, you guys think it makes sense? Will you be friends with me? <laughs> oh, you maybe. <laughs> no, maybe not, right? No one thinks that because I am oh so clean, I am washed completely right now, that I'm not going to wash ever again. I'm not going to take shower ever again. No one does that, right? So I'm not saying... So what I'm trying to say is when God cleanses you, that moment of justification, the moment of you receiving God's salvation, the moment of you being declared you are completely righteous before me, that's like thorough cleansing. That's like, that's like crazy scrubbing and all the dirt is gone and you're like, woo, you're clean, right? But I'm not saying you're going to get dirty from that point on, but I am saying the world and the Satan will try to get some dirt on you. He's going to throw here and there. He's going to attack here and there. Lie here. You know? And it's going to try an attempt. Whenever you face that, it's wartime. Don't just let that sip in and, oh, you know what? No, it's a time to pick up your sword and let the word of God cleanse you. John 15.3 I really love this verse. It says, already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. This is what Jesus speaks to his disciples. He says, already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken over you. Not because of the water that I sprinkled over you. Not because of the soap that he gave to them as a gift. It's the word that I have spoken over you. The word of Jesus cleanses you. It makes you clean and i find it very true because my own testimony as i as i reflect on it god washed me with his words and washed away all the lies of the enemy and showered me with the words of truth he constantly spoke to me daily for a season intensely now you're beautiful you're the apple of my eye. You are gorgeous. He constantly spoke that over me that all the lies had no room. They all had to flee. And then finally I was able to wash clean and believe I am heck of beautiful, man. I had the moment of revelation. I still cannot forget. I was sitting in a car. You know, there's a, the driver's seat and the passenger seat. The past, he knows the story. Passenger seat, there's a little mirror, right, that you can flip open. And I flipped it open because I felt like someone, something was in my eye. And I flipped it open and then I looked at myself and I was marveled. I was like, hold up, hold up, hold up. Wait a second. Wait, wait, wait. Who is this? Like, and I looked at myself and I was, I was in awe of my beauty. <laughs> You're being sarcastic right now. <laughs> Man, 
But that was after an intense season of cleansing of God's word, hearing over and over again and repeating myself, choosing to believe that. Like I spoke that over. I am beautiful. He sees me beautiful. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. He made no mistake when he created me. After a season of doing that, like that moment just hit me. And I was like, dang, I am so beautiful. (laughs) (laughs) I'm making myself very vulnerable right now, okay? But see, that's a sign of cleansing. That the lies were gone. And I was like, yeah, wow, you know? And I'm not just talking about this one area, but there are seasons of cleansing for different areas, like the money problem, and that's a huge deal. For some people, like money is their God, or money is their stronghold, or poverty was their background, and it's something difficult. God had to heal me from that as well, that orphan mentality. I got to provide for myself. I'm a burden to my parents. And I got to always worry about finances. God had to wash me clean from that. I'll provide for you. I'm your Jehovah Jireh. I provide everything for you. I know your needs. And I will never leave you. I will always be your daddy that provides faithfully. A season of hearing that voice. you know, And finally, completely able to let go of my finances. And there's no anxiety anymore. You know, There's no burden anymore. You know, money that's spent on me is not waste anymore. You know, you know, all that loneliness, rejection, like come from a wangta background, kind of like all my friends. What is it? What is it called? Bullied me, right? Really bullied me. Hardcore in middle school, entire year. Um, coming from, uh, always wanted to please people, um, and when when some one person gets kind of upset at me or gives me cold shoulder that ruins my entire day. And I cannot think clearly because I'm, I'm so afraid that this one girl that doesn't really like me will like spread rumors about me or, man, why does she not like me? Maybe I got to fix something. Maybe I got to talk less. That would just overwhelm me all the time. You know, when when you live in the fear of men, life is miserable. Life is miserable. Like, there's no peace in your heart, you know? Like, so-and-so likes you, so-and-so doesn't like you. Why does that play such a big, like, why is it such a heavy thing? You know, when you, if you know that you are always fully accepted and loved, and you will never be rejected by him, you know? And I had to hear the word and let that cleanse me for a season intensely. And I, man, cried every single day, like, literally, literally. Like, oh, I will never leave you. I will never betray you. I will never turn my back on you. Like, I will always provide friends for you. I will never leave you lonely. You know, those words, I had to hear that because I always thought when people really get to know me, they will actually not like me. If, you re- if they really, really know who I really am, they're going to leave me. They're going to, you know, all those lies were so heavy. But then after a season of cleansing, I'm like, I can be myself. I want to be myself, and I like myself. I like my humor. I like my way of speaking and even laughing. The way I eat, I like it, you know? I can't help it. I like it now, you know? You don't like me? You're weird. 
What's wrong with you? <laughs> you know? It's this God speaking to you that you are lovable. You don't have to change anything to be loved. You are made lovable. All these words, I believe God wants to personally speak to you. I don't know if any of my stories or examples hit your heart, but even if it didn't, God wants to speak to you personally as well. And today, all I wanted to wanted to do is this: that allow God's word, His decrees, not just His words, but this decree was purchased. Remember the core story that we were at. He paid the price so that these words could be true over your life. And they will never change. They will never be flipped over. They will never be reversed or opposed. Those words will be eternally true. And I believe God wants to speak those words over you and cleanse you of all the lies that you have heard growing up. Or even the thoughts that you had for years. The lies that you believed for years. And I really believe God's going to wash them completely away. And he's going to declare you are already clean because of the words that I've spoken over you. So I'm going to ask Sarah to, yeah, oh yeah, Bora to come on the keyboard. Thanks, Bora. Music always helps, guys. And I think, really, God created, uh, God is the creator of music. And I think, you know, when you hear music, like, your heart kind of softens, right? And I think we need to come before him with a soft heart. I'm not trying to make you guys all emotional. Don't get me wrong. But I am creating the best environment for you guys to hear what he has to say. So I'm going to yeah, dim the light a little bit. Perfect environment. <laughs> and just focus on him. If closing your eyes help, I encourage you guys to do that. Don't fall into the trance, though. You're not Apostle Peter, okay? You know, whatever God declares holy is holy. Whatever he calls is good, is good. Whatever he says is beautiful, is beautiful. And his words are final, and nothing can come against it. And if you don't know Jesus, this is a perfect time. To open up your heart to Him. Even when the whole world you feel like is against you, He's the one that's never gonna leave you or abandon you. This is a perfect chance to open up your heart and let Him speak His words over you. Not the voice of the world, not the voice of Satan, but let Him come and defend you. When you are feeling that you're completely stuck in the court before God. You can't even look up and look at his face because you're so ashamed, because you feel so afraid. God's going to send me to hell. He hates me. But Jesus is the one that was sent by the Father, that took all the shame, that took all the weight, that took all of your terrible sins and completely set you free from it. You are forgiven. If you have Christ in your heart, you are forever forgiven. And all these words that are going to go out, it's all yours. Possess it. Receive his decrees. First of all, I want to declare over every single person. It's been declared by Jesus. And let me be his voice and speak it over you. That you are set apart.
You are chosen. You are loved. You are accepted. Rejection is not a part of your life. Even when you do get rejected, you forgive and move on. It's not for you to change anything. There's no fear in your heart. That's what Jesus declares over you. You are not weak. That you are not afraid. You're strong. You're courageous. And for brothers and sisters, God is speaking to you. You are beautiful. I made you the way I wanted to make you. I created you the way I like it. I like your personality. I like your jokes. People might not, but I like it. I like the way you smile. God says, I like spending time with you. I like being involved in your life. I like the way you relate to me. I like the way you pray to me. I like the way you worship me. And I see that. Hear him. Hear his voice. And I feel like in this room especially, there's a lot of words of limitations that's been spoken over you. That you can't do that. What? You want to be that? Are you even qualified? Do you even have enough stuff on your resume? Is your grade good enough? Is your family background that good? A lot of limitations and unable sentences, impossible sentences that's been spoken over you. And I feel like a lot of you have dreams and dreams that are big, but you're hesitant to even speak it out because you've heard so many voices of oppositions and discouragements. Whenever you shared it with someone, people were kind of like, oh, oh, good luck. Try. Yeah, try. But I feel like God is saying, no, I'm here for you. I want you to dream big dreams. There's no limitation. I'm taking it all away. You are able in me. You can do all things in Christ Jesus. I'm going to enable you. I'm going to empower you. I will give you the resources that you need. I'm going to provide funds for that. And I will create the way. I'll make the way for you. Trust in me. I'm taking you on this amazing journey. And feel free to dream big. And let's do this together. I feel like that's the voice of God, that you are able. Nothing is impossible. Let's do this. So be even discouraged regarding your future, your dream. Let him speak to you right now. Receive his decree that you are able. Receive his decree that all things are possible. Father, we make the decision in our hearts to believe what is true. Now, how we feel, 
not what we think, but what you say, what you decree over us. When you say we are holy and righteous, we believe it, God. When you say that you are beautiful, we believe it, God. When you say you are accepted and you are loved, we believe it, God. When you say that I have great futures for you and I am with you, we believe it, God. When you say that nothing is impossible in you, we believe it, God. Father, we believe forth. And God, I do not allow any person in this room to go out of this room without believing in the truth of Jesus Christ. God, I thank you that that decree was actually costly. That it wasn't something that you just uttered out, but it's something that you purchased, God. Lord, and that decree that's been made over each student cannot be reversed. God, I just see this room full of victors, not the victims. God, I just see this room, God, to students that are full of hope and not discouragement, nor that are just students that are grounded on the identities that are from you, not by performance. God, I just break all striving in this room right now in Jesus' name. Any ideas of gaining your love by doing something. God, I shatter that right now in Jesus' name. And God, I declare that every single child in this room is fully loved and accepted by you because of what you have done, because of the decree that you have made, God. And our decree of our heart follows what you have spoken over us. I'm going to give you guys... One minute. I'm gonna everyone to be ask everyone to be fully awake. Guys, this is the moment. He's gonna cleanse you with his words. He's gonna cleanse you with his words. I'm gonna invite everyone to actually stand.